Welcome to Planet Surgery, a medical podcast by Baxter Advanced Surgery Team. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast series of Baxter. Insights into the world of surgeons, surgery and perioperative practitioners across Europe. My name is Iris Karleinhase and I'm the medical manager for Advanced Surgery Benelux in Germany at Baxter. Today I'm looking forward to interview Dr. Ode von Lander. At Baxter, our vision is to be a global, innovative leader in the operating room, providing solutions that improve patient outcomes and enhances lives. Baxter's podcast program is a new way for you to hear from colleagues across the world. In this episode, I sincerely want to welcome Dr. Ode von Lander, who is an HPB surgeon and deputy head of the Department of General Hepatobiliar Surgery and Liver Transplantation at the UZ Gent in Belgium. Dr. von Lander has an interest in minimal invasive surgical techniques in liver and pancreatic surgery, including a robot program she started in 2017. She is keen on teaching and sharing knowledge and finding pragmatic approaches to surgical problems. In this episode, Dr. von Lander will share her experiences with robotic liver surgery. So a warm welcome, Dr. van Lander, and thank you for sharing your understandings with us. Thank you very much, Aris. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. Thank you very much for the invitation, and uh, I look forward to your questions. Thank you, Dr. van Lander. Um, Dr. van Lander, you moved uh, from classical surgical approaches to minimal invasive techniques, especially robotics for liver surgery. Um, may I ask you why you made that change? Um, is it your personal conviction or is it uh, the overall trend in the surgical community? Well, Aris, for me, I have to say I fell in love with the robotic. First time I saw it, I saw the opportunities that it offered me, especially in liver surgery. Um, Laparoscopic liver surgery, I thought for me, was technically very challenging, especially when you move to the posterior segments. You know, the instruments are straight and very often it's like a dome, like a mushroom you have to operate on. And I felt very limited and I didn't have the impression I could offer my patients the best surgery. And very often when it was in the posterior segments, I did tend to go to open surgery because I wanted to make sure I had a R0 resection. And with the robotic surgery, I could offer more minimal invasive surgery to my patients than I could in laparoscopic surgery. This, uh, I do not perform laparoscopic surgery anymore in liver resection. Every liver resection I do that is minimal invasive is robotic or open. I skipped the laparoscopic totally. Is it a trend in the surgical community? Of course, many people, you see very waves. So you have the early waivers, everybody jumps on it, but I think that's very, very, very dangerous. You need to know very well what you are doing. Um, it's not the same as a laparoscopic uh, operation. It's a totally new surgery. So it's a trend, I think. Many people started, but you see that not everybody continues in robotic surgery. Um, it's only the, the, the diehards that have the training and many people that started stop again with robotic surgery. I think it's a niche and not everybody should perform robotic surgery. Very interesting, Dr. van Lander. Uh, what are the major learnings about performing such a change? 
Well, it's a big change. Um, and I have to say, I made a small mistake. And I think it's important to share that mistake. Um, the first thing you have to know, it's, it's a totally different way of operating. So you need to be trained. So what you do, you go to a training center. We have the luxury that we have the Orsi Academy 10 minutes from our hospital. So I went to the training to get to know the machine, how everything works. And I started by performing 30 uh, robotic cholecystectomies to get used to it. But then I noticed, okay, as a surgeon, I know how the machine works. I'm ready to move ahead to the next stage. But you have to train your team. You have to train your nurses. You have to train the assistant that's uh, at the table at your patient. And then I stopped the program for a minute and I went with my whole team to the training to make sure that they are yeah, also trained and know what to do because it wouldn't be safe. And I think the learning curve is always a bit longer than you think. I think the learning curve, for me, I needed to do 30 cholecystectomies to be safe to know what to do. And when you switch to liver surgery, don't start with the posterior and, and the complex surgery. Start with lesions that are anteriorly, that are in the front of the liver. Start with the left lateral, start with the easy ones. Otherwise, you're going to start running if you can't uh, walk yet and it will harm your program. Thank you for giving us this overview. Can I ask you if you have an algorithm on how to treat more complex cases? Of course, we have an algorithm. I think when you start a robotic program, it's very important to standardize everything. The way you work, especially for you as a surgeon, but also for your colleagues, it's a team effort. So the first thing you need to do when you have a patient coming to you is having first the anatomical. When you look at the CT, is it feasible to do with robotics? Because I don't think you need to be a hero and say, oh, I can do everything robotic. You need to be convinced that for this patient, it's the best approach. Second thing you need to do is consider your patient, see how he is, because very often it's for malignancy. You have to look at the general status for your patient and take no risk. We always tend to do for complex cases, a 3D reconstruction. I think that's very important to have no surprises during your surgery and that you have your roadmap made before you go to the OR. So for every complex case, we make a 3D reconstruction and we discuss with anesthesia and the team uh, how we're going to proceed and where the possible difficulties are. And we have a very low threshold to convert to open procedure to make sure the patient is not harmed. So it's a team effort and a preparation effort. However minor or complex cases, Dr. Van Lander, is there a necessity to perform parenchyma sparing resections? And what is your option to achieve this? I'm a big, big, big believer in parenchymal sparing resections. I think um, it's vital for your patients. The first thing I look at is how can I achieve an R0 resection for my patient? That's very important to make sure the tumor or the metastasis is totally resected. And the second thing we look at is how can I do that without removing too much of the liver parenchyma? 
Of course, for example, if you have a liver lesion in segment 8, which is a complex because it's posterior, you can easily, for example, perform a right hepatectomy. As a surgeon, it's not so difficult. You know you have an R0. But in my opinion, you removed way too much and you expose your patient to a potential problem. And you cannot forget that patients with colorectal metastasis will very often have recurrences and have the option to have repeat hepatectomies. And that's if you offer parenchymal sperm resection, you offer them many more options in the future than if you are too radical. Um, how do I achieve this? Well, one, I look at the CT and the MRI very well. You have to know your anatomy. You have to use, in my opinion, if necessary, 3D reconstructions to see how you can expand your surgery to a maximum with a minimum of parenchyma resection. And a big help for me is ICG. I've been using ICG since two years and every patient that goes for a resection gets three days before the surgery an ICG injection. Basically what it does, it's metabolized by the liver um, and it's excreted by the bile. And what happens if there's a metastasis this part of the liver is not functional, so it will stay in that metastasis. And if you have robotic surgery, you have the option of fire flight. It's like the night soldiers that see everything in green. You see the tumor that it's green lifting up and it helps you in your resection. You see where the tumor is. And basically to do a good resection, you cannot see the green during your surgery. And that was for me a huge help to assure that I have an R0 resection, but to make sure that I save as much as liver parenchyma as needed for my patient. Regarding prevention of surgical complications, Dr. Fernanda, how do you perform biliary reconstruction in your surgery? And what is your opinion on bileakage prevention? Well, Aris, that's a very interesting question. Uh, biliary reconstructions, I do robotic or open. And I think uh, bileakage, for me, it's a perioperative complication. In an ideal world, when you see your patient the next day, the drain should always be clean. So if you do biliary reconstructions, for me, um, the best way to don't have it is that you have a perfect surgical technique. What I always will do if I have robotic surgery, Again, my ICG is my ally in biliary leakage. I use the ICG. So during the surgery, anesthesia will give again a shot of ICG. It will be excreted by the bile. And you can immediately see on your um, field if you have a bile leakage or not. I will always wait 20 minutes during my surgery where I do nothing. I put a white gauze to see if I have a, a bile leakage. After 20 minutes, I get back. First of all, I look at my anastomosis. First, I look visually if I don't see bile on the white ghost. Secondly, I will check with the ICG if there's a leakage. If there's a leakage, of course, you need to put some extra stitches. But the, the other big advantage is if you have performed simultaneously a resection, do remember that three days prior to the surgery, we injected our patient again with ICG. And you can perfectly see on your resection margin with the firefly technique if you have some bile leakage and you can put some additional clips. So for me, bile leakage 
is a perioperative complication that you need to address during surgery. For bileakage, I'm not a big fan of sealing devices or patches. I believe the bile is too watery and too slippery to be able to close it uh, with a sealing device. Knowing that minimizing blood loss is an essential factor to improve the patient's post-operative course, can I ask you how you perform or optimize hemostasis in your techniques? Absolutely, that's a very important one. And eh? that the blood loss indeed will have a big impact on the post-operative course of your patient is very often forgotten. Um, we always start with anesthesia. What we do is uh, what we call the autologue blood transfusion. So when patient goes to the OR, we tap two or three units of his blood um, externally. So the patient is uh, what we call diluted. So that helps a lot. When I perform robotic surgery, I always put on a Pringle to be safe. Um, and I always do my resection on the Pringle. Because you have to remember during liver surgery in a robotic field, you do not have the CUSA. Using the CUSA in an open resection, which helps me a lot, of course, the devices you have in robotic surgery are different. It's more a sealing device, a bipolar device. So using the Pringle for me is a big help in reducing the blood loss. And the opposite to bileakage, for blood loss, I am a big believer in the sealing devices and the patches. I will always use them when indicated and when necessary. Um, do you use a validated scale to identify and describe bleeding during your procedures? Well, actually, Iris, you are the one that introduced to me the Baxter Vibe Scale. I don't know if you remember, time flies. It's already been two years ago. And I have to say, I loved the, the easiness of this uh, scale to use. So the first thing we did is we used it actually in, an, um, in a study model. We've momently um, evaluating the learning curve of assistants that performing a laparoscopic left lateral resection. And I have to say that the, the vibe scale is very easy and helping us because it's very objective and is especially very reproducible. So we used it in a scientific model. One of our colleagues is writing a PhD. We use it in a PhD model. Since recently, we use it in our OR um, in clinical practice to decide if we do need to use a hemostatic patch or not. So we basically look at your picture and see, oh, it's a great one, it's a great two, it's a great three. And then we decide if we need to use a patch or not. It's also helping us to write, you know, every surgery, you have to write an OR report and we try to standardize this. And the vibe scale is for us very easy. You can say grade one, grade two, grade three, and then you can very easily afterwards, when you want to write a scientific paper, you can, you can standardize and objectivize and reproduce very easily. So we are a big fan of the vibe scale, I have to say. So as summary, uh, Dr. van Lander, could you recommend all these new tools uh, in HPP surgery like the robot, ICG technique and the Baxter Wipe scale to the audience? Absolutely, Iris. I would never go back to the time where I didn't have my ICG, where I didn't have my robotic surgery, where I didn't use a Vibe scale. I think it's all small things, 
big things maybe that help you to improve your surgery, to improve the quality of your surgery and by that improving your patient's health and outcome. And I think that's the reason that we are all in this business to give the best outcome on a less invasive way to our patients. So for me, I think if you are in the field of robotic surgery, if you're in the field of liver surgery, those are essential tools to help you and they will facilitate your life and your patient's life. So thank you very much, Dr. von Lander. It was a pleasure to have this interview with you. And thank you very much for sharing your experiences in minimal invasive HPB surgery techniques with us. And to the audience, please contact us for any feedback or questions. And if you want to be our next speaker, by clicking on the Contact Us button on this webpage. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to come back in two weeks to listen to our new episode. Thank you.